Hello, and welcome to You Philosopher. So today, uh, I get to have the opportunity to talk about a subject that's really dear to my heart. Uh, I've always been fascinated by the Civil War and by the major players in, in, in the Civil War um, since I was a little kid. It's just super interesting to me. And so uh, President Trump recently made some statements about it that have you know upset some people and other people have been fans of these statements, so on and so forth. And so it just, it drives me a little bit insane because there's, there's really some key stuff that people tend to, by my lights, just really, really, really get wrong about the Civil War and they use it like for political reasons. So let's just dive right in and look at um, what President Trump said. So he was in Ohio and uh, he, he said the following. So Robert E. Lee was a great general and Abraham Lincoln developed a phobia. He couldn't beat Robert E. Lee. He was going crazy. I don't know if you know this story, but Robert E. Lee was winning battle after battle after battle, and Abraham Lincoln came home and he said, I can't beat Robert E. Lee. And he had all these generals. They looked great. They were at the top of their class at West Point. They were the greatest people. There's only one problem. They didn't know how the hell to win. They didn't know how to fight. They didn't know how. <clears throat> um, and one day it was looking really bad, and Lincoln just said, you, Grant, hardly knew his name, and they said, don't take him. He's got a drinking problem, speaking of Grant. And Lincoln said, I don't care what problem he has. You guys aren't winning. And his name was Grant, General Grant. Um, so Grant went in uh, and knocked the hell out of everyone. Uh, man, was he a good general, and he's finally becoming recognized as a great general. So one of the things that's upsetting people is, uh, is the fact that um, some of the news outlets, when they were first reporting that uh, President Trump was talking about this, was that they... They only reported the part where he was talking about Robert E. Lee and not the part where he starts talking about Grant as, as well. And so there was this idea of it kind of just being fake news because it was taken out of context, right? Like that they were trying to supposedly like make it look like he was this big Robert E. Lee fan and that he's praising the Confederacy. And the argument that a, a lot of conservatives and conservative you know, talking heads and pundits were making was, well, this is really unfair because if you look at it in context, what he's really doing is praising Grant, not Lee. Now... I'm, I'm not convinced that what was happening there was fake news because the, the president of the United States praising General Grant in Ohio is not really news given the fact that Grant came from Ohio and that, you know, Grant was a president of the United States and arguably the most important general of the Civil War. Um, so him praising him isn't really news. What's interesting is when the president of the United States <laughs> praises an enemy combatant. And in saying that, um, I'm sure I already annoy people because people are like, no, he was a great American. General Lee, by definition, was fighting against the United States of America. Like whether or not people agree with why, and we'll talk about that briefly, the fact of the matter is, is that's interesting. That's news, especially given how much the Confederacy is used as a means by which to kind of be a testament to racism. And we can talk about that too. A lot of people are going to say that the Confederacy wasn't about slavery, that it wasn't about racism, so on and so forth. But even if it wasn't, and I'm going to argue that it was, even if it wasn't, it, that's how it's used by many people today. In other words, um, like neo-Nazis in Germany aren't allowed to use swastikas. It's illegal. So they'll fly Confederate flags, right? So whatever 
people say it means and what it's being used for, right? We have to acknowledge it's being used in this way. The Confederacy is, is used by people as a means by which to be proponents of racism. Anyways, let's talk about Lee and Grant here. So obviously the news outlets make a mistake when they truncate anything by my lights. Like you want as much information as possible. And as soon as you truncate it, you run the risk of people accusing you of being fake news. So this was, a, this was clearly an error on their part. And I think that they made a mistake of not recognizing how interesting it was that when talking about Grant, President Trump felt the need to talk about Lee. That to me is also news, right? In other words, He's there in Ohio. They have every reason to love Grant, right? Given the fact that he was president, he came from there, right? He's this super important general, one of the most famous generals in United States history. So he has every reason to praise Grant. Why bring up Lee? Now, one argument is, is that he brings up Lee specifically to show how great Grant was, right? You have a great general in Lee, Grant beats him, boom, right? So that's part of this important narrative. Could be. I think it's also because, and this is just a guess, like I don't want to be unfair to anyone. I think the president knows that talking about Grant is wise in Ohio, right? That's just good politics. They're going to love that. But he also knows that only talking about Grant is going to upset a lot of people in his, his base who really, 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 really love Lee and identify themselves as, as somehow connected to the Confederacy, right? There's a lot of people who... Whether they, and they'll argue vehemently that it has nothing to do with racism, that they are themselves not racist, but that they view themselves as proud Southerners with a history in the Confederacy. Hence why there's all these arguments about Confederate monuments and so on and so forth. Donald Trump knows that there's people who are very, very, very upset about monuments to people like Lee being taken down and to Confederate generals being taken down. And there's literally, and this is fascinating to me, hundreds of schools named after Confederates. Um, it's really hard to find schools named after Grant, right? There's mo much more in the way of monuments to the Confederacy than there is to the Union, despite the fact that we're the Union, <laughs> right? We're the United States. We're the side that won. <laughs> like, whatever state you're from, technically, you're still part of the United States. The Confederacy lost. The president of the Confederacy lost. The generals who were fighting for the Confederacy lost. That's just the deal. I mean, that's just, right, that, that's just basic historical fact. So the problem is, is there's all these people who are part of Donald Trump's base. They vote for Donald Trump, who, if he only praised Grant, would probably be really upset. They're like, no, Lee was the great general. And it's an important part of the story that he's telling. So to me, that's interesting. Like, why is there this need to talk about Lee? And what I think it leads to is, and what I, I guess I really want to talk about and correct, and by all means, correct me if I'm wrong, I want to talk about how overly loved General Lee is. And <laughs> I say that knowing that it's going to upset people, but that's okay. People love to dislike Grant, right? His presidency had a bunch of problems, right? Uh, there's the alcoholism, right? There's issues of corruption um, in his administration. And he was known by his own soldiers as the butcher because he would just throw soldiers in knowing that they would die, right? Uh, General Lee, on the other hand, is like this gentleman's gentleman, right? Really not a fan of slavery in a lot of ways. Um, he is uh, someone who is, uh, you know, the top of his class, West Point graduate, like seems like a like truly effective tactician, right? So 
they, we really look, people look at Grant as kind of like the person who was lucky enough to beat someone as amazing as Lee. And I just want to challenge that idea. I want to challenge the idea that Lee was a particularly great general. And let me tell you why. Lee was fighting a war uh, anachronistically. And by that, what I mean, it was out of time. He was fighting a war that had he been fighting by the rules and the regulations of war before the Civil War, that's exactly what he should have done. And when he was up against people like, you know, General Scott, that worked pretty well for him. But another mistake is this idea that Lincoln just had this huge phobia that Lee was unbeatable. Lincoln was mostly mad because his own generals would not simply crush <laughs> the Confederacy. It just drove him nuts. This idea that he viewed Lee as just like this unbeatable god is kind of pushing the issue, right? That what it really came down to is, is he kept having generals who would get Lee in their sights or, or you know, get Confederate troops in their sights and then not take the killing blow. And that had more to do with the fact that, especially early on in the war, people just didn't think that the war would be, they'd be like, take, they were like, let's take picnic baskets to this. You know, they just didn't think it would be that big of a deal. And for the Union, especially, they, a lot of them didn't really understand what they're fighting about. There wasn't a clear picture of, okay, these people want to leave. Why don't we just let them? Like, why are we fighting amongst ourselves over this? Like, we don't like what they're doing. They don't like what we're doing. Let them go, right? And so for a lot of people, there was this problem of like, should we really be crushing a group of people who largely just want to exit, right? And just it just drove Lincoln insane because it would be like, okay, you could have just annihilated them. You had them there. Why didn't you keep going? And so this idea that Lee's just winning battle after battle after battle, and don't get me wrong, right? Lee is definitely an effective commander, especially at that point early in the war. But there were times when his troops would have been far more decimated had Lincoln's generals been willing to basically finish the deal. So why do I say that Lee was anachronistic? Well, what I mean is simply that once there started being generals in the Union who realized what warfare was becoming, far more industrialized, that's when the Union really, really, really gets going. And it doesn't take that long after that before they just win. Because what you have is, is people like Grant and people like Sherman who come on the scene who basically go, okay, we have a much larger military force. We have uh, superior uh, supplies. We have superior munitions, right? Better guns and so on and so forth. Why don't we just crush them? Why are we worrying about things like flanking maneuvers in nearly as much as worrying about going in there? And then if we have like a battalion that's decimated, send another battalion in. Because we have something that the Confederates don't, which is numbers. And Sherman, especially, who is reviled in the South, right, for, you know, <laughs> burning Atlanta, Sherman's march to the sea. Sherman, like, he was basically salting fields and, you know, he had his soldiers heat railroad tracks and wrap them around trees so that they couldn't be used. But he took the war to the Southern populace, not just to the soldiers. And this was seen as, like, completely classless, right? You don't do stuff like that. But Sherman started a kind of warfare that whether or not we agree with war or we ag agree with the kind of total warfare and bringing warfare to the civilians the way that Sherman did, what he did was 
opened the gateway to what eventually became World War One and then World War Two, where you get everyone involved and you're willing to destroy entire villages. You're, you know, you're really, it's, it's not just a war fought between like two gentlemen armies. So once the Union generals start engaging in this, Lee just does not have, I mean, first of all, he, he doesn't, I think, to be fair to Lee, just have the ability in terms of troop numbers and so on and so forth. He doesn't have enough supply. He doesn't have enough industry. He doesn't have enough people. But once the war starts being really fought seriously. And once the uh, Union generals start fighting the war in a, in, in, at that time in a modern way, Lee can't compete with them. And he continues to kind of keep with his older school mindset. And why would I be critical of him? Gettysburg. Say whatever you want about Lee and how awesome Lee is. And there's, there's, a, there's a lot, like, I can't compete tactically with someone like Lee. I know that. I'm not trying to say that I'm better or that he was a bad general. But clearly he makes a huge mistake at Gettysburg. And importantly, and the president seems to miss this, President Trump seems to miss this, it was not a battle that was won by Grant, right? It's Meade, right? It's basically a, a general that's completely under discussion in, in, in our history, who's a Union general, who eventually, right, it ends up becoming Grant later on, but fairly close to the end of the war. But Gettysburg is a turning point of the war, right? It's the last time that Lee is able to get kind of get up into the, the North, and they spend the rest of their time fighting a de defensive campaign, just trying to keep the Union out. <clears throat> and that war, excuse me, that battle was not won by Grant. That was won by another Union general. And so the idea that the only people who can beat Lee are or the only person who could have beaten Lee was Grant, is first of all mistaken. Lee wasn't this magical, non-defeatable character. He's defeated by Meade at Gettysburg, and by my lights, he's defeated by Meade because he refused to recognize the time of that the war is being fought in. In other words, Lee would have struggled to win regardless, but he let himself start thinking that, and, and, and again, I want to be fair, I'm not in the man's head, he let himself start thinking that his soldiers could not be beaten because they kept winning. Instead of recognizing the fact that the reason why they couldn't be beaten was because the Union really just didn't seem to have the heart to fight and didn't have the generals who were really, really, really willing to go after him. Because if he had recognized that, if he had recognized the fact that he was fighting a guerrilla war, not so dissimilar from the way... Um, the Americans were fighting the war against the British and the revolution, that he's fighting a guerrilla war and that every battle that they win, they're lucky, given the munitions difference, the industry difference, the difference in numbers, that they're lucky. He never would have on day three sent out this mass troop attack to the center of the Union line, right? Look up Pickett's charge. I mean, Pickett's soldiers, they're decimated. There's like literally none left. And Lee sent them out there because his, he believed that his people couldn't be beaten, as opposed to being a general who recognizes what's actually happening in the war. That's a huge flaw. And again, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't be able to beat Lee. The fact of the matter is, is there were plenty of other people who could, right? Meade and Grant. Now, all of that being said, well, why is this important? Like, why even bother with this? Well, because here in the United States, we have this weird idea that we're going to laud people like uh, Lee, act like the Confederacy had nothing to do with slavery, and when people laud them, not laud traitors, 
right? We're one of the only countries in the world that doesn't treat people who rebelled against them like they're traitors. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that there you can have traitors to a country like, I don't know, Russia or China, who are in fact fighting for liberty. But can we say, can we really recast the Civil War as a fight for liberty on the part of the South, which we've been trying to do for a very long time? Like, what were they fighting for? States' rights. You hear people tell you that all the time. They were fighting for states' rights. But what right were they fighting for? What, what states' right were they fighting for? And it was specifically slavery. Now, those of you who disagree, before you just hang, out, hang up you know, or turn this off and troll me, Look up the Articles of Secession. Look at South Carolina's Articles of Secession. When South Carolina leaves, they give the reasons why they leave. That's not my fault, right? Look up the speech given by the vice president of the Confederacy when he's saying why the, this whole war and the, the, why, why the Confederacy needs to be its own thing and why it needs to leave. First of all, the Articles of Secession when South Carolina decides to exit the Union, the reasons that they give include slavery and specifically include the fact that they don't like the fact that the Union's getting in the way of slavery spreading West. They also, Southern states had been fighting hard to actually try and get it more North. And they also really disliked the fact that the North wasn't maintaining the fugitive slave laws. In other words, slaves would escape to the North and a lot of Northern states were like, eh, we don't really feel like returning them. And the southern states were like, those are our property. You have to send them back. So they were mad about all of those things. And they were pretty convinced that Lincoln was not going to help their case. So they put that in the Articles of Secession. They weren't like, we're just leaving because saves states' rights and we want to be able to do what we want and trade and tariffs. And so like, they're like slavery. It says it, right? It's, and specifically, the vice president of the Confederacy gives the speech, which is mind-blowing, where he's like, the founding fathers got it wrong. When they said, I mean, again, look up this speech. He, he literally details that when the Founding Fathers said that all men were created equal, they were mistaken, and that the black man is actually inferior, and that the, and a country would be in its best interest founded on the superiority of the white man. So there it is. That's the deal. That's just how it happened, and what they were saying, and what they were saying that they were fighting for. The Union was not fighting against slavery. Not initially. Right? We have to be fair. We can't say, oh, well, the Union was just fighting against slavery the whole time. They recognized that how slavery was, was wrong, and that's why the Union got involved. No, the Union was initially fighting to preserve the Union. And whether or not that was something that they had a right to do is a fascinating question. But when does the Union really start to make some traction? when they decided that they were fighting about slavery. So after the Battle of Gettysburg, you got Lincoln who gives the Gettysburg Address and he recasts the war, not as a battle to maintain the Union, but a, a battle over freedom. When it becomes a battle over freedom and the rightness or wrongness of slavery, then people are really able to get behind it in the North. And that turns not just the tide of the war in terms of um, <clears throat> military, but it turns the tide of the war in, in terms of public opinion. And then the last century, we spent kind of like recasting it again, making, oh, it wasn't really about that. Lincoln just had this need to keep the union together, blah, blah, blah. So how great a guy was Lee, given the fact that he chose to fight for what they decided was a country that was grounded on the inferiority of blacks and grounded on the grounded in the idea that slavery should be maintained, even though Lee himself, arguably, arguably depending on with whom you speak, so on and so forth, um, wasn't a fan of slavery. What kind of person was he? I don't think that that's a great testament to his quality of character, truth be told. I think it's like the following. Imagine, the, I'm, so I'm gonna give an analogy. Imagine you have a fraternity, 
okay? And the fraternity just uh, loves to drink and loves to party. And um, they also uh, have a fair number of people in the fraternity uh, who like to engage in rape, okay? Not everyone, about half of them, okay? And eventually, there's more and more tensions about the kind of like rape culture that's going on in this frat because some of the guys are like, this is wrong. We're not okay with it. And some of the guys are like, listen, this is how we roll. This is what we do. We've been doing it for like as long as this fraternity has been around. You know, you, you put something in her drink and you're good to go, right? So there's more and more tensions that develop. Now, eventually, uh, a president of the fraternity is elected who's like, doesn't seem sufficiently supportive of the rape culture. He's not saying he's going to get rid of it. He's just saying we shouldn't spread it any farther, right? Those guys who don't want to engage in rape shouldn't have to, right? And the guys who do say, you know what? Forget this. I'm out. We're going to start our own fraternity, our own fraternity that allows and supports rape and all the other stuff, by the way, that we disagree with you about. We're going to go do that. And, and the guys in the fraternity, the other half, they're like, no, you can't just like leave and you can't just leave no, we're, you know, we're all one fraternity. We're brothers, right? And, and so, I don't know, they're going to do some sort of like legal issue, right? They're going to take this to battle in court or, or something along those lines. And as this split is happening, you have a guy in it who himself doesn't like the rapiness. Not a fan of the rapiness, but his pals, right? The people he's closest to, his part of the group, they're, they're, for the most part, pretty rapey. Like, in other words, within the fraternity, there's different groups, different cliques, right? And one of those groups has some pretty rapey guys in it. Um, one of them, we'll call him Lee, not a fan of the rape. Um, but uh, and, and he's maybe got a couple of other guys in his clique, not a fan of the rape as well, okay? And, well, this, basically, this war breaks out, you know, this whole legal issue. And let's say he's a legal scholar, right? Like, this guy's really good with the law. And uh, the president <laughs> says, would you come and help us argue that this can't happen, right? That they can't just leave and like create their own fraternity, blah, blah, blah. That they can't just do that. And Lee says, I'm not really willing to argue against my own people. Let me see if they actually decide. Like if my clique decides to leave, I need to see what's going on. Now, so you have someone who has the ability to even if the even if this issue isn't initially about rape for for the guys who want to keep the fraternity together the, this guy Lee knows that his guys want to leave because it's about rape and he knows that he has the opportunity to do it to stop it right if Lee's that great a general that means that he had the opportunity to say you know what I can help stop this evil of slavery but instead he chooses his state and we go good for you you chose your state and how dare you Nicholas Michaud trash a guy for choosing his state over like this union that wasn't even like fully figured out yet because his entire state didn't leave that's why in other words it would be the equivalent of Lee the frat guys some of his guys decide to leave in his clique and they're like, we're keeping the rape. But one of his friends is like, you know what, Lee, I'm not cool with this. I think I'm going to stay with the union. Hence why there's West Virginia. Pardon my analogy. But West Virginia and Virginia split specifically because West Virginia was like, you know what, we don't want to leave the union. So theoretically, Lee could have just been like, you know what, I like the part of Virginia that's going to stay. 
I like the part of Virginia that's not so sure about the slavery issue. I like that part of Virginia, and I'm going to help support that part of Virginia. But no, he goes with the part of Virginia that leaves, and the part of Virginia that, by default, in leaving, is helping establish a country based on the idea that blacks are inferior. That's, that's, that's just what they said. <laughs> you know, that's what they wrote down when they said why they were leaving, right? So... Why get up in arms when people do things like talk about Lee, like they're great, and, you know, the Confederacy and Confederate war monuments? Because we're being inaccurate, and it's starting to drive me insane. The Confederate flag was not actually the flag of the Confederacy. We just need to get this straight. It was the flag of the Army of Northern Virginia. It was Lee's flag. The Confederacy itself went through a couple of different flags. So we need to stop calling the flag that we're talking about the Confederate flag, number one. It's the flag of the Army of Northern Virginia. Stuff like that. We need to fix this stuff. But aside from me just being picky about stuff, we need to fix it because it's actually being used to do harm in terms of race and rewrite our own history. We did something amazing when we stopped slavery. We did something amazing. Yeah, it took the Union a little while to figure it out, but you know what's awesome? Is that a whole group of people really didn't want to fight their brothers that badly, weren't convinced that they should have the right to force them to stay until it became about slavery. That's pretty cool, right? That these Union soldiers, the Union itself, was kind of meh, kind of lukewarm about forcing people to stay, forcing the country to stay together, not letting these states leave. They were kind of meh about it until it became about slavery, until it became about freedom. And you can look at that however you want, right? In terms of Lincoln, was he really just doing this as a political maneuvering to win the war, whatever. The people who fought that war because of slavery to stop it, who became inspired by the actual idea of freedom, of getting people out of a circumstance of being raped and maimed and killed and denied basic human dignity every day. Those people are underrepresented in our country. We have more schools named after Confederates who were fighting for a country based on the inferiority of blacks than we have schools named after Union generals. Then we have then we have monuments named after people who sacrificed their lives because they became inspired when it became genuinely about freedom. Our country did something amazing by removing one of the most evil institutions in the history of the world, by deciding it needed to stop, and then shortly thereafter, giving those same people who had been property the right to vote. And instead of lauding that, we spend more time lauding people like General Lee, who at the end of the day has his pluses, has his negatives, but he lost the war and lost the war in a large part because of a lot of mistakes that he made. And also in part because it was a really almost impossible war for someone in his position with the number of troops that he had, so on and so forth to win. And instead, we have politicians using it as a means by which to make people think that, it's, that, that this whole issue is about things that it's not. So right now, we have the ability as a country to remind ourselves that when people fight for freedom, whatever our feelings of war happen to be, when people fight not for their freedom, like let's say that the Southerners were fighting for their freedom. Isn't it more impressive when you're fighting for someone else's freedom? For all those soldiers in the Union who decided to join up eventually, maybe a little late, who decided to sign up because they were like, you know what? We are fighting to free others from tyranny. Doesn't that deserve a lot more props than it's currently getting? Maybe we should just be able to talk about people like General Grant without also talking about how awesome Lee was. 
Maybe we can start talking about these soldiers who were willing to sacrifice their lives just so that people they didn't know didn't have to be slaves anymore. That seems to me that would be an inspiring direction for our country to take. So, anyways, with that, I wish you a wonderful week.